Uh, all right, time for the keynote. So, yo, oh yeah, thank you. Uh, start recording. So a few weeks ago, Carr asked me if I would do the uh, do the keynote, and he told me uh, he, I didn't know what topic to do, and he said you should do the importance of free and open source software. So I thought about it, and I couldn't think of I couldn't think of anything good to say about free the importance of it. But I could think of lots of terrible things about free and open source software, so I decided to do that instead. So welcome to the dangers of free and open source software, where you'll learn all about the pitfalls and how to overcome them. Free and open software so, 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 yeah, is good. Like I'm not denying that it's a good thing. It does a lot of good for the world, but you know, um, it comes with dangers. Uh, I use free and open source software all the time. My, my computer runs on it. Um, my, the games I play are it. The stuff I write is it. Like My job is free and open source software, if I have one. But, uh, so it's a very good thing. Like I love it. But there are dangers. And most of these affect me and some of you, the software developers. But a lot of it also affects uh, your users. And even just people around the world who aren't even involved can be impacted by the stuff you write. So. Uh, let's learn about some of those dangers and how to overcome them. Uh, the first danger I want to talk about is getting co-opted. The example I'm going to give is not a software developer, but a uh, vaccine creator. Uh, this is Jonas Salk. And uh, back in 1952, he invented the polio vaccine. Uh, there was a big effort by many people to come up with a vaccine for polio, which is, of course, a disease that afflicts uh, many children as well as adults, or used to anyway. And um, when, he, when he invented it, he didn't patent it. He wanted it to be free and available to the world, which reminds me of the free and open source movement. And he was asked by uh, a television show, this is actually a clip from a television show back then called uh, See It Now. And the guy said, uh, who owns the patent on this vaccine? And he said, well, the people, I would say, there is no patent. Can you patent the sun? I love that. That's like the free and open source idea. You know, it's, it's like, this is information. How can I claim ownership of this? Um, but it didn't work. Like even though he didn't put a patent on it, uh, his project got co-opted, and now that now it costs a significant amount of money uh, to get one of these vaccines. Uh, one of the reasons for that is that someone came up with a different one. So he didn't patent his, but someone else came up with a different vaccine, and they did patent theirs. And because they could make money on that one, drug companies decided to to use that one. Um, and also, uh, the, 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 there were some improvements made. Like the, the, the new one was better than the one he made. But your project can easily get co-op, and you might make a free and open source uh, software project, but someone comes along and maybe they improve it, or maybe they um, just re, they just rebrand it and they start selling it as a product, uh, and then your open source contribution gets neglected because um, because people like like the paid one better. They can make money off of it. So that's the danger, and you should be aware of that. Uh, what's a mitigation for it? I'm not sure. I think this is one that you have to um, get resolved to, and just acknowledge that this can happen. Um, there, there isn't a way, I don't think, to stop someone from taking something that you made for free, and then they go and sell it. Uh, there have been attempts. There are these things called defensive patents, where you, where you do you, you create a not open source license, uh, and then you only use it to defend yourself. Uh, so if someone takes your work, you can stop them from doing that. But then you're not actually writing free and open source software anymore. You're actually writing closed source software. So I, th I don't know if there's a good mitigation for this one. But yeah, it can happen. Your project can get co-opted. Another potential problem is lost profits. 
Um, so Volvo is an example here. They invented the three-point seat belt, which you probably are familiar with because it's in like every car now. Um, but they did not patent it. They left it open because they said uh, it's more important that everyone have safety than that, um, than that we make a profit. Uh, but there's a downside to that, which is the lost profits. If they had patented it, it probably would still be in every car because it's a very useful safety feature. Uh, and probably the government would still have required it to be in every car. Um, but they would have profited from all that. They would have gotten the proceeds. And they didn't. You know, they, they missed out on those proceeds because they decided to make it free and open source, or so to speak, the equivalent of that in the hardware world. Um, so, yeah, that can happen with your software. You, could, you can write some really good software and then release it free and open source to the world. And if you had just sold it, you'd have made a lot of money. <laughs> but but you, you don't. You lose those profits because for some people, including me, uh, freedom is worth more. Is wor freedom is worth more than money. Uh, so, yeah, that, that can happen. Be aware of that. Uh, a mitigation for losing profits? Well, there are, there are several mitigations for this. Uh, you can still sell free software. You, could, you can write it for free and then make a branded version and sell that. Uh, you can sell consultancy around how to use your software. Um, you can build in, um, like LND does this. LND is free and open source uh, Bitcoin software, uh, but they have paid services that use it, and uh, like their loop service. So you can, you can do a model like that. There are lots of mitigations for uh, ensuring that you can still make a profit while writing free and open source software. But it is a danger. You gotta, you gotta do something about it. Otherwise, you'll just not make any money. Danger number three is patent disputes. Microsoft gets $2 billion a year in Android patent fees. Uh, so and the, the company who created Android is not Google. Uh, it was a different company and they intentionally released all of the software for Android into the public domain. Uh, it, well, not public domain, but free of copyright. And when Google bought uh, and the Android company, uh, that original source code still exists. It's called the Android Open Source Project. Google still contributes to it. Other people contribute to it as well. Uh, and it's free. But Microsoft, they have a lot of weird patents from their history of, um, uh, of writing operating systems. And I, I don't know what all the patents are. But uh, here's an example that I, that I made up, and this one's probably not, not true. But just imagine that Microsoft had a patent on like having an icon that you tap or click and it opens up you know, a, some application. Um, that could be an example of something they might have patented. And so since Android uses that, even though Android is free and open source software, Microsoft can sue any company who uses it and say, you're not paying us for you know, using our patents, our patented technology. So a lot of companies who use Android, in order to not be sued by Microsoft, they pay them licensing fees for software that's open source, free and open source. So that, that can really harm your project. I mean, it's harmed Android a lot. Uh, there, is, there are a lot of um, people who like take Android and try and remake it um, because of, uh, to get around some of these patent disputes to, to, reduce the, um, to reduce the likelihood of Microsoft suing them. Um, but a lot of people just are like, I'm just going to pay, pay, pay the piper and uh, pony up the money. So that can happen. You can, your project can get harmed through patent disputes and stuff. Be aware of that. Uh, what's the mitigation for patent disputes? Uh, I, be creative. You know, don't, don't fall into the model of making something that is, um, you don't need to fall into the model of making something that is familiar and, and like a clone of a Microsoft product or an Apple product or whatever. If you make something fresh and new that no one has a patent on, 
uh, then you don't you aren't subject to patent disputes. So that's a mitigation. Be creative in your design and in your code as well. Danger number four is code copiers. So this is a cool story. The cold card is one of the best Bitcoin hardware wallets. It's the one I use, and uh, many people like it. They came out in 2018, and they got real mad when a competitor came out in 2020 named uh, Foundation, who created a device called the Passport, and they used ColdCard's open source firmware. Uh, ColdCard had released that into the public domain, made it available for everyone to use, but someone came along and used it, and they were like, no, this is terrible, why are you doing this? Uh, and they said there were reasons, like they had designed the software to be compatible with specific hardware, Foundation wasn't using that hardware, and they were like, this, this could pose a danger to users because you just ported something that wasn't designed for your system into your system. So they had reasons. Um, but they got mad and they changed their software license for that. Uh, and then it turns out, Foundation came back and said, but you did the same thing. When you started, you used Trezor's open source crypto library as the foundation for your device. Because Trezor was an even older hardware wallet company. Uh, so this, there's an example of code copying happening on multiple levels and people getting mad and stuff. So same mitigation as number one, you can use uh, defensive patents or defensive copyrights, which is what... That's why they changed their license. They, they're trying to defend themselves from people copying their code. Um, but the downside is you're not writing open source software anymore. All, whenever you try and say, I want to defend myself from someone copying my code, it's because you don't want people copying your code. If you don't want that, you're not a free and open source software developer. So uh, yeah, if, if you have to get used to that. Like it's the, the only mitigation for code copying is to embrace it and say, I want people to copy my code. It's a compliment and it is a, um, it's a, it means I wrote something that people find valuable. Uh, so yeah, that, the, there's no mitigation for it, but just embrace it and lean into it and be like, I, I want people to copy the code because they will. If it, well, if it's good, if it sucks, they won't. So. Danger number five is unpopularity. A lot of the, a lot of free and open source software fills a niche uh, and often it's a very small niche. Maybe it's even just, something that you really wanted to exist and no one else has that use case. Uh, so it might not become very popular. And um, I have often felt, um, I'm not sure what the word is, glum, I guess. I've often felt glum when I spend a lot of time writing something and then no one uses it. Uh, so I not, some mitigations for that um, are to remember that uh, different people have different needs. And if you wrote something for you, that's, that should be satisfying. Like if, if it works for you, that's great. <laughs> and and be, um, be happy about that. It doesn't have to match anyone else's needs. Also the bu marketing budget is a thing. Like free and open source projects rarely have a marketing budget. Uh, sometimes that doesn't matter. Like Linux doesn't have a marketing budget, but it's incredibly popular among developers. Um, Another example would be like uh, Bitcoin itself didn't, has no marketing budget, but of course we've all embraced it. Noster, this happened with Noster. It, you know, it became very popular with no money. Um, but yeah, it, that don't always happen. So just uh, be aware that your project might not be popular. That's a, that is a danger. And uh, don't get glum about it. Just write stuff that you like and that your friends like and, and let that be your inspiration. Uh, and then the last danger I have on this list is your code blows up and then it blows up. So I, my poster child for this is Enigma because that's what happened to me. Enigma was one of the first Nostra clients uh, and it offered a chat-like experience that was reminiscent somewhat of Telegram. For a while it was the most popular um, uh, 
Nostra software out there, but I didn't, I'm not a very good coder and it had, has bugs, like very severe ones, like leaking your private key to everyone who wants to listen. Uh, so it got exploited. And, and so after it got popular, you know, it blew up and someone found a, found a terrible bug with it. And so now I just put that warning up that you'll lose your private key because I can't be bothered to fix it. Uh, all right, so those are the dangers of free and open source software, or those are some of the ones, some of the ones that I came up with, uh, as well as some mitigations for them. Oh, the mitigation for this one is learn to code, right? <laughs> so, uh, become a, don't, don't follow my example of just not le never learning anything. Um, yeah, become a good coder, come to Pleb Lab, uh, learn from the greats, uh, which is what I'm doing here, and uh, you know, my latest apps don't have this bug, so. Uh, you get better, you get better with time. And the mitigation for writing bad code is just keep writing and you'll write good code. Any questions? We got one. It was something that I wrote that was extremely unpopular, but bug-free. So, well, yeah, I suppose I, uh, very frequently there, there are bugs in my, in my software when I first release it. One of the projects I most recently created, uh, where's the F11 button? was uh, inscribetheplanet.com, which is an inscription creation service. Uh, and while I was, when, I, when I wrote this, which is a tool for adding data to Bitcoin's blockchain, um, a couple days after I made it, I was fixing very minor bugs in it. And um, I accidentally deleted all the code. <laughs> uh, and so the page just displayed like a blank, a blank text file. Uh, and someone pointed that out and they said, you deleted all your code. And then I, I went back and got an old copy of it and, and put it back up. But yeah, so that's an example. This this uh, is not become popular yet. It has just yeah. just been launched. But uh, you know, it did, uh, yeah, it had bugs, uh, mostly very minor ones so far. But uh, I did accidentally delete the entire code base. So that was fun. Luckily, I had a backup. GitHub is one great tool for that, is, is making backups of your stuff. Any other questions about the dangers of free and open source software? What's up, Wei? Mm -hmm. I probably will not maintain it. I will probably abandon it when I get bored with that project and move on to another one. That's usually what I do. But part of the reason why I release stuff into the public domain is so that other people can do it. Uh, there have been code contributions not by me uh, to that project because all the ordinals people are uh, wild about it and they're adopting it and, and adding to it and making pull requests and I'm merging them. So yeah, uh, there are maintainers even if I'm not the one who's gonna be doing it in the long term. Also, uh, just a reminder, inscriptions are stupid and I don't think anyone should if, if your company plans to inscribe stuff to Bitcoin's blockchain, I don't recommend it. Uh, f f try and figure out a better thing to do. Uh, I made that website as an attack on Bitcoin. So, yeah. 
Any other questions? Topher, Scott, what's up? Yeah, there's a, I didn't think of that when I was writing this, but that's a good point. Uh, I will show you an example because this happens with Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, or I guess it's github.com slash Bitcoin slash Bitcoin. If you go to Bitcoin's GitHub and you look at its license, where is its license? Do they have their own version? Yeah, it's in the copying file. So they use the MIT license, which is, uh, as it's described, short and permissive license. It only requires uh, these things. You're allowed, you're allowed to do commercial use. You're allowed to modify it. You're allowed to distribute it. You're allowed to use it privately. You only have to mention that you're not liable for any uh, software bugs. Uh, or, uh, sorry, they mention that they are not, the, the developers of Bitcoin Core are not liable for any misuse of the system, uh, I think. Yeah, in no event shall the authors be liable for any claim, damages, or other liability, whether in any action, tort, or otherwise, arising from, out of, or in connection with the software. So you can't sue us. It's just like, we're, we disclaim any responsibility for what you do with our software. Didn't stop people from suing them. <laughs> so people still sue you anyway. And uh, there was a judge in England who recently ruled that uh, you can't just write that you're not responsible for anything and then that's, pretend that's true. Uh, so he, they, they are, the developers of Bitcoin Core are being sued anyway by some guy in England, and uh, that's something you have to deal with. Just just because you use an open source license doesn't absolve you from liability, even if you say it does. <laughs> so yeah, be aware of that. That can be a danger. Any other questions? What's up, Jana? Fail a lot. I think if you, uh, I think if you tr if you keep trying, in the in the presence of much failure, you achieve greatness. Thanks for You're welcome.